Welcome back, everybody, to our next episode of Back in the Dugout Podcast. This is week 10. I'm coming back to you live from Mawa, New Jersey. Um, I shaved my beard, so I might seem, I might look 15 years old, um, but I'm going to be growing the beard back. I just, it was getting really itchy, but anyway, um, excited to be here for episode 10. Uh, we got a lot of news just with young players, we got a lot of call ups, um, stuff like that, so there might be some overlap with. Prospects of the week and Young Guns of the week, but we'll get to that later. But first, we're going to hop into the news. Today, we got separated with free agency injuries and then in other news, and we're going to start with free agency. We got the Brewers, Lorenzo Cain getting designated for assignment. He is 36 years old, um, and he was designated for assignment on the 10-year anniversary of making it to the MLB. I believe the Brewers waited for him to be able to celebrate this milestone before, you know, giving him the news that he was being designated for Assignment, he was hitting under 180, so it wasn't really um, a surprise. It was a mutual decision between the two parties, and they did get to call up Jonathan Davis as a result. And Jonathan Davis has played with the Blue Jays and the Yankees, so a younger younger character, but has some experience under his belt. Um, I'd like to see where Lorenzo Cain ends up. If he ends up with a, you know, a better contender, he might retire. Uh, I think he's still got a couple more years in him. Not, not the player he once was in Milwaukee. Um in Kansas City, but he is still nonetheless a great ball player. Um, and then on the opposite side of the spectrum, we got Yerman Mercedes being claimed off waivers by the Giants. He was designated for assignment last week by the White Sox. Uh, Michael Papierski was then designated for assignment by the San Francisco Giants to make room for Yerman to come over to the Giants in San Francisco. Yerman Mercedes, if you do not remember, do not remember was the first player with five hits in his debut game ever. He won Rookie of the Month. Uh, he could be, you know, triple-A depth, not really ready for the uh, Major League roster right as of now, uh, but he is a nice right-handed DH power bat that they could use in triple-A and, you know, could call up later in the year if they do need some They do need some hitting from the right side of the plate. Next, we got our injuries, and there's a ton of injuries to really important players, really key players to some of these teams' runs going into the future. We're going to start with Anthony Rendon. Um, he's going to be out for the year. He has season-ending wrist surgery, and he's been out since last week on the IL with that injury. Uh, he was having a subpar year for his own standards, but he did get that huge contract in 2019, um, and he has missed significant time since signing that big, big contract in L.A. He's played just 50, He played just 58 games last year, and that is not the 60-game season for COVID. That was a full-length season last year. Um, you know, he had multiple injuries. And I think um, I like to look for trends and stuff like this. I think him just, you know, having this lackluster season, being injured a lot, being out for the season is kind of just a representation of the Angels' year so far. You know, they started off hot with Taylor Board, Mike Trout, you know, Shohei Otani, of course. But they are looking to be meddling in the middle of their division right now, um, you know, really slowing down. Next, we got Mookie Betts going on the IL with a hairline fracture in his rib or a cracked rib. They don't know how long he's going to be out with this injury, and it came after colliding with Cody Bellinger in the outfield. So it was pretty avoidable, but nonetheless, it did happen. The Dodgers also lost Walker Bueller and Blake Trenion before this, so they're losing a lot of key pieces. Um, but they do have some people to back up Mookie Betts and slide into that outfield spot with Hanser Alberto and Zach McKinstry to replace him. While they are, you know, not definitely not as good as Mookie Betts, they do still have a stacked lineup regardless. 
You're going to miss Mookie Betts, of course, but they could probably hold their own until he ha- until he comes back um, with some of the pieces that they have coming off the bench. And Mookie Betts is also in a the early years of a massive deal with the Dodgers um, coming over from the Red Sox. So we hope that he comes back healthy and uh, you know MVP caliber because he was heating up a lot before he got injured. Finally, or not finally, but another injury. We got Manny Machado being injured. I don't think it's as serious as the other ones, but he did hurt his ankle running through first base, did land on it weird and twist it. He left the game and was diagnosed with an ankle sprain. And, you know, their team is also the, the Giants. Or the Padres are also, you know, battling the Dodgers in that tough NL West conference. So they're both teams are going to be missing important players. Manny Machado was looking to maybe win the NL MVP. Uh, Mookie Betts was up there as well, but Manny Machado was really looking good in those odds. Um, and just replacements for Manny Machado. C.J. Abrams has played short, and he has struggled. Sergio Alcantara is an okay replacement. Haseon Kim plays a lot in the infield, and Profar can play third. Um, he is playing left field right now, but he has played infield in years past. Uh, I think he's playing left field out of necessity as of now. Um, so they do have a decent amount of replacements, but once again, similar to Mookie Betts, they're not up to the level with Manny Machado. So we'll see what they do going forwards. Uh, in other Padre news, we got Tatis's timeline has been pushed back a bit. He was projected to be back in early June, and obviously it is past early June at this point. It is turning into late June, um, and they believe that he's going to be back at the end of this month. I don't know if he started swinging a bat yet. I saw recently that he's been able to throw and play the infield, but I don't know how, how he's looking uh, you know, with a bat in his hand. But they are probably really itching to get him back now with Manny Machado going down and you know their team kind of slowing up at this point. And finally, for injuries, we got Hyunjin Ryu out for the season with Tommy John. Uh, he he underwent the Tommy John surgery. I believe the club and himself were you know in between of tweaking and the Tommy John surgery he got earlier in his career um, in 2004, or they were just going to get full on Tommy John again. And I think he he did get full on Tommy John. He's going to be out for 12 to 18 months, so a very very long extended period of time. Um, and he is 35 years old as of now and on the final year of his contract um, in Toronto. So don't know what his future is going to be looking like in Toronto. Um, and he was off to a very poor start. So I don't know if they see anything promising in him, you know, re-signing. And he'll probably find his way to the free agent market because, you know, that um, that Toronto rotation is incredible without it with Kevin Gosman, Barrios, Manoa looking like a Cy Young as well, Kikuchi and Ross Stripling. So I don't know if they really need Hyunjin Ryu at this point in his career and at this point in his contract. So we might see him going somewhere else. And then in other news, quickly, we got Golden Tate, former NFL player, signed with the Port Angeles lefties of the West Coast League. He's playing center field there. He is 33 years old, so not incredibly old at this point, um, but he was in the NFL, of course, and he had not played since the the season before last, um, 2021. He said that baseball is his first love, and he was drafted back in 2007 by the Diamondbacks, but then decided to go to college at Notre Dame and play football and baseball, a little bit of Bo Jackson energy. He was then drafted again after college, but decided to go to the NFL. And so far this year, with the lefties, he's batting 263 with a 732 OPS, two doubles, and three RBIs through five games. And I saw a picture about this on Instagram 
and the caption was simply athletes get bored because well Golden Tate was definitely um, getting up there in age in football terms and was not you know producing and didn't really have a spot on any team at that point and he was like I guess I'll just play baseball then and now he's playing you know professional baseball at some level in the West Coast League um, so shout out Golden Tate to be able to do that with you know such skill. Um, then we got two immaculate innings for the Astros this week. Luis Garcia threw an immaculate inning in the second inning. Um, Phil Matone pitched a immaculate inning in the seventh inning, of course, against the Texas Rangers. It was the first time there was two immaculate innings in one game. And even crazier is we had the same three hitters were as a part of the immaculate inning. Nate Lowe, uh, Ezekiel Duran, and Brad Miller. Um and both pitchers got to keep those immaculate inning baseballs. And I just thought it was incredible that it was the same three hitters. Because, like, at, once you get an immaculate inning thrown against you, like, later in the game, I feel like you'd want to be more, you know, mindful at the plate and take more pitches and stuff like that. I mean, if he's throwing strikes and you're taking strikes, you nothing really do about it. But I feel like you'd be more – you'd be more uh, – you'd approach your at-bats differently if you were to see that that happened to you already. But next we got that will be Combine. We got 52 players participating, six first-round projected picks, and just some players who who have made waves so far. We got Cam Collier, who is a third baseman from Chipola, son of Lou Collier, and he had some of the best batting sessions at the combine out of those 52 players. We got Tamar Johnson, second baseman from Georgia, out of high school, number four prospect projected um, in the pipeline or in the draft, and that was the highest projected prospect at the at the uh, combine and he had the one of the best high school hitting seasons in recent history they got jared jones catcher from georgia as well he's six foot five 230 pounds um in one of his batting sessions he hit a home run 462 feet with an exit velocity of 109.6 um and he's in high school so we'll see how he develops uh, he probably is getting a ton of looks um, at the combine from some uh, scouts, and then I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. I believe it's so. His first name is Gerangelo Sintij, and he's a pitcher from Florida out of high school. And he is a switch pitcher. He throws 94 to 96 from the right side. Um, throws low 90s from the left side, but he did strike out two batters throwing lefty and three batters throwing righty in his appearance in the combine. So just some young guys to watch out for. Um, you know, names to to get acquainted with going forwards. We got Yankees expressing interest in playing in France. Yeah, they would be playing in the Stade de France right outside of Paris, and this would probably be in, be in 2025. The stadium has a capacity which is bigger than most MLB stadiums at 80,000 because you know how Europe likes their soccer and stock soccer stadiums. Um, the Yankees have played in London before. But this would be, you know, their first time playing in France. Um, and I think it's a good thing. I always say I like the MLB expanding to different markets, um, including more fans. It's just a great way to ex- expand the sport, you know, because it is a traditional sport. It does follow a lot of tradition. Um, so I do like when they are expanding those boundaries. Finally, we got Ryan Zimmerman's jersey retirement. Um, just a quick history of Ryan Zimmerman. I'm sure most people would know. He was the Nationals' first pick ever, of course, called Mr. National. Um, But during the game, they lost to the Phillies 2-1. But Zimmerman's jersey was unveiled on the first base side. 
Um, he retired four months ago, and my one friend from school was very upset. He he punched a door because he didn't realize that he was at Ryan Zimmerman's last game, and he said that everyone was standing up and cheering, and he had no idea what was going on. But he uh, he was upset that he was retiring, of course. Mr. National, as you said before. A bunch of his former teammates were at the unveiling, like Jason Wirth um, and many more. He was the leader in games played, hits, runs, runs scored, RBIs, doubles, home runs, and total bases in Nationals history. Of course, 2019 World Series champ, two-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, and one-time Gold Glove winner. And now he's transitioned to working as an advisor for the Nationals in their front office. So that's what our news is looking like right now. Um, I guess we'll just do bad beats quickly. I know this segment has been, been a bit long for the news this week, but, but our beats this week, our picks were 64 and 32, started off hot going 13 and 3 and then 12 and 3. Sunday was bad going 5 and 10, but then I did finish yesterday 7 and 2. Um, my total pick percentage is around 59.5%. And just some bad beats, we got the Cubs winning two versus Atlanta. Keegan Thompson and the bullpen shut out the Braves in game one when they were on their win streak. They did throw a two-hitter. Kyle Wright for the Braves got lit up in game two. Matt Olson, Austin Riley, and Marcelo Zuna all went hitless in that game, so the Cubs were able to take two against Atlanta. Of course, I picked Atlanta on that crazy win streak. Next, we got the Tigers splitting with the Texas Rangers. The Tigers scored 21 points in two games that they won of that four-game series. They outscored them 21 to 10 in those two games. Eric Haas was three for five with three RBIs, and he entered batting 212. So that was a big game for him this year. Um, and Javi Baez went off in game three that they also won, and he has been having a very tough year batting around 200. Um, and his contract's not looking very good as of now. And also, Robbie Grossman had four RBIs in game four, and he entered the game batting 200. And he has 16 RBIs in the entire season. And four, as I said, came in that one game. Um, so just people really performing that you didn't see coming. Uh, so that's why the Tigers were able to split with the Rangers. And I believe I picked the Rangers for all four. Uh, so we lost two of those. And then this one hurt the most probably. We got the Rockies sweeping the Padres. Manny Machado got hurt, of course. So that kind of messed them up for the last two games. The Rockies were coming off a three-game losing streak entering that series, and they did outscore the Padres 23-11 to in the four-game series. C.J. Crone had a five-RBI game after kind of falling off in the beginning of the year. He won best in the box one day this week. Um, but he he was up there with the best first baseman in the MLB at the beginning of the season, but kind of kind of took a step back. But now, of course, he's uh, dominating the, the Padres in the picks. And he finished with eight RBIs in the series. And I did go back to look at the game notes and the box scores. And besides one game, uh, the other three games, the hit totals were either the same or favored the Padres. But the Padres just couldn't figure out how to score. Uh, so the Rockies really took advantage of you know the struggling offense and losing Manny Machado. Um, so that really hurt, as I said before. But next, we're going to go to the Young Guns of the Week. So on to our Young Guns of the Week. As I said before, there was, we had a lot of young guys do a lot of great things this week. Uh, so I kind of tried to space them out between Young Gun of the Week and uh, Prospect of the Week. There might be some, you know, 
confusion on ages and they might be different ages in prospect. You might consider them prospects, I might not. You might consider them young guns, I might not. So regardless of that, we're just going to hop into it. I don't really think anyone thinks too much about the, you know, the little details, but first we got Gerard Encarnacion. He's 24 years old. Um, his first career hit was a grand slam last Sunday. It was a go-ahead grand slam for the Miami Marlins. He was the Marlins' 20th prospect, so not at the tippy top of their list, but he was able to perform in the opportunity that he was given. He's the first player to record a grand slam, steal a base, and get an outfield assist in their debut game. He's the first Dominican player to hit a grand slam in his debut, um, and his and his fielding is not too shabby either, as his assist from the outfield was about 92 miles per hour, and it was the fastest for the Marlins since 2001. He was batting 358 with a 1.010. OPS in double A before getting straight called up to the MLB. This man is a knee triple A. Um, and he has been in the Marlins system since being signed as a free agent back in 2016. So shout out to Gerard Encarnacion for making history in his first at bat. And it's something that we all dream of when you hop up, uh, you know, when you put anyone plays baseball and make it to the MLB and hit a grand slam. Um, it was just absolutely incredible to see, you know, the pride and happiness on his face after such a great debut. Next, we got Adley Rushman, of course, uh, one of the top prospects in the MLB, but he's now been in the MLB for quite some time. He's 24 years old, and he hit his first career home run this week in his 84th plate appearance off Jose Barrios, who's nothing to, um, you know, bat your eyes at. Jose Barrios, former All-Star and pretty great, pretty great pitcher for the Blue Jays. Ali Rushman is hitting sub-175 with a 49 OPS+, plus, so struggling in his first year a bit, but he did get that first career home run. He did get to check that box. He also drove in the go-ahead run against the Rays in a 1-0 win, um, another game in their series. He has an RBI in three consecutive games and an eight-game streak of getting to base safely. He was batting 5-for-14 with a 357 batting average in that eight game on base streak in which he had eight home or a home run not eight a single home run two doubles four RBIs and 10 total bases um, in that eight game streak as I said before so shout out Adley Rushman for getting that first career home run keeping that ball probably framing it somewhere uh, in his house or his parents house or whatever um, but shout out to Adley Rushman and speaking of parents someone who's got uh, pretty famous parent. We got Cody Clemens. He's 26 years old, of course, son of Roger Clemens, the great, great Hall of Fame pitcher. Cody Clemens was drafted in the amateur draft in 2018, and he did actually take the mound in a blowout game versus the White Sox. Even though he's not a pitcher, I thought it'd be interesting to include him taking the rubber. He got his first two hits in a more serious note last week. He has started in the outfield and at third base, so a bit of a utility guy for Detroit. He had just two hits this week, but both of them came in a strong showing in that 14-7 win over the Rangers that we mentioned before when the Rangers uh, dropped two to the Tigers. Cody Clemens has a double and as well as an RBI, um, and he's been under the spotlight for a while, of course, being Roger Clemens' son, but uh, it's interesting to see him take the rubber even though he's not a pitcher. Um, and on a more serious note, you know, get those first couple hits, uh, get a double, get an RBI, uh, get his name, get his name out there for his own reasons. You know, probably been in that dad's shadow for a long time. So shout out to all those guys. 
uh, for doing a great thing for their respective clubs at such a young age and getting those milestones out of the way. Uh, next, we'll be back on the opposite side of the spectrum with the old heads of the week. Next, we got our old heads of the week, as we said. We got two this week. I had some trouble finding some just because a lot of young guys, as I said, have been doing incredible things this week, uh, kind of overshadowing you know, our older MLB players that we know and love. But first, we got Tyler Anderson again, of the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers at the age of 32 years old. So not quite up there, but you know, getting up there. He had one start this week against the Los Angeles Angels. Pitched eight in the third innings with one hit, one earned run, and eight Ks, and he did get the win. He collected his eighth win on the year to move his record to an incredible 8-0. It was the longest start of his season this far, thus far, uh, and he did get that win, as we said. His ERA dropped to 2.82, with opponents hitting just 2.11 with a sub-1 whip. Um, he's the fifth pitcher of the Dodgers, of course. And he is 8-0, which is pretty incredible if you ask me. The Dodgers rotation is really holding their own with uh, their with their ace, I would say. Um, Walker Bueller out in the for the foreseeable future. I think Tyler Anderson's better than Andrew Heaney and arguably better than Urias this season, so maybe he should move up in that rotation. Um, but I don't really see that happening. You know, it might damage the uh, Confidence of those two other arms. Um, but him and Tony Gonsolin are 16-0 and combined. And they both are tied for the most wins. Um, and Tyler Anderson is top 10 in the MLB in whip. So shout out Tyler Anderson. Shout out the Dodgers in general for dealing with injuries well. I mean, they do have like the highest payroll uh, and some of the best players regardless. But shout out to the Dodgers and Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson for really holding it down in that rotation for an incredible Dodgers club. Then we got Charlie Blackman, who was kind of under my radar. I really didn't even see this when I was checking the stats, you know, a bit earlier in the week, but it did. It was pretty eye-popping to see Charlie Blackman uh, make our segment. He was 10 for 21 this week, which is 476, I believe. Yes. Um, And he's not young himself. He's 35 years old. Uh, he had two doubles, a home run, four RBIs in this week's games for himself. Uh, he had four multi-hit games this week, and he is on a six-game hit streak. He did have 17 total bases as well. He's hitting 333 with four home runs in June, and he did hit under 260 in both April and May. I believe May April was around 260, and May was way lower, maybe 230-ish region. Uh, It hasn't been an all-star since 2019, but it is nice to see him. Also, CJ Crone and the Rockies um, to be doing, not the Rockies, the Rockies aren't doing very well, but those two guys, uh, especially Charlie Blackman, it's nice to see them do do well since, you know, the the Rockies have just been absolutely fleeced lately by free agency uh, and the trade market, uh, losing Nolan Arenado, losing Trevor Story. It's really just kind of Charlie Blackman who's there from way back when. So it is nice to see the 35-year-old um, getting stuff done this week um, and hopefully has a has a great year going forward. Uh, shout out to those two guys for, you know, 
really holding it down even as they do get up there in age. We've got some surprises this week. Uh, we got two good surprises and one bad surprise that we really did not see coming, although he did just come off the IL. But nonetheless, we'll get there after this. So we got our surprises of the week. Uh, our first great surprise is we got Michael Harris, the second of the Braves. He's 21 years old. He was their top prospect and 59th overall prospect in the MLB. He was 8 for 18 this week, batting 444. He had one home run, one triple, and four RBIs. He was projected to arrive next season, but he did get the call up with Travis Demerit not looking very well uh, in the outfield. Michael Harris only got the chance to play 43 minor league games in total. As I said, Demerit was optioned, so Michael Harris could come up. I believe he's better than Demerit. Um, obviously, it's easy to say now because he is showing more you know, promise in his early start compared to Demerit's earlier this year. But Michael Harris was a 2019 third-round pick out of high school. Him and Acuna in the outfield, I believe, is incredible both defensively and offensively, just a very well out. Very well-rounded outfield. Um, those two can be very dangerous together. Um, and he said to the media that he felt that he belonged there. Um, and I think that's a really big thing when you are coming up in the MLB is you need to establish yourself, not even in physical space, but in your own mind, establish that you belong there. Um, and once you think that, you know, you can really make great strides to go forwards in your career. Um, so I don't really see this coming from Michael Harris. Didn't know much about him earlier than this, but it was a pleasant surprise to see him raking um, this week, batting 444. Our sad surprise is we got Taylor Ward um, underperforming this week. He was 8 for 30 this week. He had four hitless games, and he did strike out four times. He was 0 for 5 against the Mariners. His average dropped 11-ish points, I believe. His slugging dipped as well. He's batting 222 with an OPS of 528 in June. So definitely not the numbers we were seeing from him earlier in the year. His average is still over 310, which is incredible. But we are seeing, we did see a bit of a regression for him. His game, last game last night was not as bad. Uh, he did have a great game, but still the overall trend has been going down a bit. He was one of the hottest hitters in the MLB earlier this year. Was at the top of the league in average OPS um, and things such as that. He batted 347 through May, including April. And June has been really tough for him, as I said, batting 222. Um, and another representation for this lackluster Angels team is just him really struggling. Um, can be representative of that Angels team, really. I mean, when he hit the IL, is when the Angels really started to fall off. Um, and, you know, I think they're still meddling around right now. Not really sure what's happening, you know, with the loss of Rendon, Mike Trout getting in that slump, losing Taylor Ward to the I.L. I think they're in a bit of a, you know, hangover from from where they were in the beginning of the season. So good luck to Taylor Ward to, you know, get out of that rut. And finally, we got Justin Steele. He got his second win of the season for the Cubs and his first win since April 9th. He pitched five innings, let up two earned runs and three Ks. So not an, not an incredible start, but still, I believe it's to be to be a quality start um, to get that win. June has been very good to Justin Steele. He's got a 189 ERA and a 126 WHIP in the month. 
And this is coming off him losing his five last starts prior to June. His ERA was well above five in both April and May. Um, And some of his longest outings, some of his most effective outings, as we've seen from this week in particular, have been in June. Um, So shout out Justin Steele. You know, those Cubs teams not really doing anything either. Um, But, you know, stay the the course. um, Do your job. Maybe earn yourself some more money. Uh, Shout out Justin Steele, you know, for getting it done when he is on the bump this month and this week. And next we're going to go to our social media moments. We got some fun ones, um, some stuff I might have posted about on Instagram. But we'll be right back with that. On to our social media moments of this week. We're going to start with the, with the moment that, uh, you know, I can kind of relate to. I'm a bit of a streetwear junkie, a bit of a hype beast myself. And we did see the release of the off-white MLB partnership jerseys, hats, sweatshirts, uh, T-shirts. As, as, we, as I just said, MLB partnered with Off-White, which is a very expensive streetwear brand founded by Virgil Abloh. Rest in peace, Virgil Abloh. Um, got some crazy designs on Jordans. Um, just his own clothing line, but he did. They did get the partnership with the MLB. I feel like the MLB is trying to cater to a younger crowd, maybe um, because I don't see any older fans really wearing these things. Um, but they did collab, make jerseys with the Dodgers, Marlins, White Sox, um, and the jerseys are over one thousand dollars. Which is, if you don't know much about off white and streetwear and stuff like that, it could seem like a lot. But that's right up. That's right up off White's Avenue for a thousand dollars. The jerseys are expensive in their own right. Um, if you're getting a real jersey in the MLB, remember I remember seeing them in the National Store, five hundred dollars, three hundred dollars for like older jerseys, not like the those are the replica ones. But yeah, these ones are at over a thousand, which is expensive for even jerseys. Um, they got the classic black block letters with the quotes, which is a which is an off-white staple that they do have. Some people find it silly. I, I find it pretty creative, and I like it. Um, but the hats and the jerseys and the t-shirts and stuff, they have meteor holes, but which I kind of equated to them was Swiss cheese. It's literally just circles cut out of the hats and circles cut out of the shirts. Um, the hats are 260 bucks. The t-shirts are 355 bucks and sweatshirts are 630. And as I said, this is right up off white's alley with these prices. And I'm pretty sure most of them sold out already, even though they did get, you know, kind of ripped up on Twitter. And in just my personal opinion, I thought these, like when you buy fake jerseys from China, you know, the lettering's off. Uh, it's not even like a real jersey. It kind of looked, it gave me that vibe of the fake China jersey. Um, but it does have the does have the holes and the quotes. So it, it's, I'm not a huge fan. I do like a lot of off-white, but I was not really a fan of, you know, the collab they had coming out. But it doesn't matter to me because they sold out, so. Next, we got Lil Wayne shouting out Cody Bellinger on Twitter. Lil Wayne shouted out Cody Bellinger for using his song Hustler Music as his walkout music. Lil Wayne said, that's love to Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger then called him a goat in the music world. Um, And Cody Bellinger is 26 years old, so I believe he was around... Uh, my sister's 30, so that was like the, the prime of Lil Wayne, I'd say. So he's probably got the tail end of that prime of Lil Wayne. 
I mean, I'm 22 years old, just turned 22 yesterday, but I still love Lil Wayne. Um, he's up there with, with you know, the top rappers. And like, I, like I said, I'm on the lower side, so even I respect his legacy. Um, but Cody Bell definitely, you know, probably grew up listening to Lil Wayne. So that's just a cool moment between those two guys. Lil Wayne's very active in the sports world, as we know. You know, he kind of chirped at Luka Doncic in the NBA playoffs. But just a cool moment to see those two guys, you know, come together and bring clash together. You know, the world of baseball, the sports, the world of music is so two things that I enjoy quite a bit. And then finally, we got the Brewers City Connect jerseys. And I just wrote in my notes, wow, because I absolutely love these jerseys. They are incredible. Uh, the late blue was my high school blue, my town blue, North Carolina blue. It's just an incredible color. Um, and, of course, the Brewers do have elements of yellow because that is one of their primary colors. And I'm not a huge fan of yellow, but I think these are very sexy. I like them a lot. I think they use the yellow well in contrast with that blue. I loved the the this, the Brew City. I loved their font that they used for that. It was kind of like game-like, like a – arcade and I really thought it was nice. I thought it was the best Connect jerseys so far, best City Connect jerseys, better than the Nationals jerseys. Sorry to all the Nationals fans out there and, you know, people from the DMV area. <laughs> but I just thought these jerseys were the best I've seen yet. The hat logo with the MKE from Milwaukee and their airport abbreviation and the 414 was genius. You know, some of these logos try to do too much, and that's an also another thing I hate with Connect jerseys and, you know, these new jerseys. His team's trying to do too much, but I thought these jerseys were perfect. Um, the it's mostly because of the colors. I just absolutely love the colors. Um, but other than that, we're going to go to our prospects of the week. After this, we got a ton of prospects, as I said before. So many people getting called up. So many people doing great things, um, making waves early in their MLB career. So we'll be back after this. So next for our prospects of the week, I'm going to try to get through these quickly because we, I think we've got about five or six. We're going to start with Kyle Stowers. He's a 24 years old. Um, he's the Orioles' eighth overall prospect. He's their second best outfielder. Uh, he came up with Keegan Aiken and Anthony Santander on the restricted list, and Stowers did get his first hit in his MLB debut with his family there. He got an RBI double against the Blue Jays. That was 106.3 miles per hour off the bat. He was a third-round pick in 2019, batted 279 in college at the University of Stanford. So a pretty smart fella. Uh, he batted 247 with an 880 OPS with 12 home runs and 16 doubles in AAA before getting called up through 51 games. So 880 OPS. They're really looking for power in this guy. Um like I said, not a, not a tremendous um, average hitter, but he did hit the ball 106, did get an RBI, did hit an extra base hit. So they are looking for him to provide that extra base hit power, and he has delivered for his first career hit in his debut. Next, we got Buddy Kennedy, 23 years old, uh, for the Diamondbacks. He recorded his first hit in his MLB debut as well. He then recorded a triple the next day. And then he hit. He swung on a 3-0 fastball. So this is already my favorite, swinging on 3-0. I know the rules of baseball, but if your pitch is right down the middle, why not hit it? And if, if you're swinging a 3-0 pitch and you ground it out, it's like, then that team's happy that you're You know what I mean? Like, it's like, whatever, do your own thing. 
So he did hit a grand slam the next day. So for keeping track, he recorded his first hit, then a triple, and then a grand slam. His dad was super excited and jumping around because it did come on Father's Day. The crowd was chanting, buddy, buddy, buddy for him. Um, so it's just a magical moment. He did a post-game interview with his father. So I'm sure those two are having a lot of fun. Um, that's the fun thing about sports. You know, like sometimes sports can go bad and it's really miserable, to be honest. But when you're doing so well and your father, who's been with you your whole life, you know, playing catch with you since you're young, you know, just all the times you shared, probably all the money he's put into him, you know, having fun and getting better at baseball. And now it's really coming together in the MLB, which is obviously a dream for probably both of them. During this three-game hit streak to start his career, he has eight total bases and four RBIs. Um, and prior to be, prior to be, you know, before being called up, he was batting 296 with an 813 OPS and 24 RBIs through 54 games in AAA. Um, and fun fact, he is a Millville, New Jersey native. Um, he was drafted in the fifth round in 2007, but Millville is where Mike Trout is from. Um, so shout out to New Jersey, shout out Millville. Uh, well, maybe he can become the new Mike Trout. We do. I do love the New Jersey baseball players really putting on, like Todd Frazier, of course, but Mike Trout most importantly. Um, maybe Buddy Kennedy can help put on for New Jersey. Next, we got Riley Green, 21 years old, um, called up to the Detroit Tigers on Friday. He was drafted fifth overall in 2019, so he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. He has reached base safely four times. In his debut with two singles, he was the first Tiger to reach base safely four times in a debut since 1991. So pre Y2K, I believe, then that's before he was even born. Myself also, I also think it's incredible. I look at players and I'm like, oh, like this player's 21 years old, and I'm like in my head, I'm just like, I still think I'm like 17 or 18. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And now I'm older than this guy, um, which is the weirdest part about getting older and you know watching sports is because these people are so much younger. Um, you know, as you get older, like as you get older, the rookies stay the same age basically. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Something I find pretty pretty weird. Oh, pardon me. Um, he was expected to make the opening day roster, but he did. You know, get delayed for a fractured foot. He only played 17 games in the minors this year, batting 279 with a 729 OPS before he did get the call up. In his second game, he did not record a hit, but he walked twice. So he's two for five with a 667 on base percentage, which is pretty good with those two walks. Him and Spencer Torkelson are really bright spots in that future for the Tigers. And we've talked about this also in the past. Javi Baez is locked in for, I believe, six more years. So hopefully he can pick it up um, and they can really, you know, have those three, two or three people to build around because Javi Baez is fairly young himself. Uh, so hopefully he can pick it up and they can really go places together in Detroit. Then we got O'Neill Cruz. He's 23 years old and six foot seven. He's the Pirates' number three prospect. Um, he's 22. Oh, he's the number 22 prospect in the MLB. Pardon me. He batted six in his debut and went two for five with four RBIs and a double. And it was all over social media. He threw a ball across the diamond from shortstop at 96 miles an hour. And it was an absolute pee if you watch it on video. He was called up last year, but it was a short-lived um, appearance. And he did have a productive spring training. But in 2021, 
He was three for nine with one home run and three RBIs. So pretty incredible for that short that short span, but did not see long elongated time in the MLB. Through 55 games at AAA this year, he hit 232, so not spectacular, but did have a 70, 758 OPS, which is pretty good. 35 RBIs and 11 stolen bases, which is pretty impressive. Um, in a AAA game, I saw this a couple months ago before he ever got called up. He hit a ball apparently 122 miles an hour on a, it was like right up as a rip right up the all right up the middle for a single, um, so that was pretty incredible. Just seeing what he can do with the bat and with his arm. He's taking over for Diego Castillo at shortstop, uh, and also his teammate Bly Madras also debuted to you know much less fanfare, um, and he went three for four with a double and two RBIs. So those two put on a really really productive debut. Just good signs for the Pirates because, yeah, don't even don't really know where they're going um, as of now. But you know, Bly Madras, O'Neill Cruz, Ryan Hayes, Jack Sawinski's been looking pretty incredible recently. Really good signs for the Pirates. And our final prospect of the week, we got Jeter Downs. I love Jeter Downs as for his name, like Derek Jeter. I think it's an incredible name. Um, but nonetheless, he is on the rival of the Derek Jeter's Yankees. He's on the Red Sox. He's 23 years old. He's their number five prospect. He was called up when the Red Sox designated James Norwood for assignment. He was drafted, but so he's been around. He's been drafted by the Reds. Um, he was drafted in 2017, then he was traded to the Dodgers, and then he was acquired by the Red Sox in the Mookie Betts trade. They also got Alex Verdugo, which is pretty great. I mean, they're both great players, but Mookie Betts is still probably, obviously, the best player of that deal. But if Jeter Downs can really pan out, it might be a well-balanced trade. Jeter Downs batted a 180 with a 694 OPS, um, which is not incredible, but he did have 11 home runs and 11 stolen bases in AAA. Um, and he can play utility infield. He can play second and shortstop. So he is getting his shot in Boston coming up. Don't know where he fits in with Trevor Story. Trevor Story was definitely not in their plans before this year. But Jeter Downs will definitely find a spot. Because I don't know what they're thinking about Trevor Story. Because Xander Bogarts, you know, he might, not, he might not come back. But it's great to have depth with Jeter Downs and some great young players. And next we will go on to today in MLB history and then also to our Not Your Father's Baseball Player, where my dad makes another appearance after this. So we are finally moving on to our History segment of the show, as I always say, one of my favorites, because I love history and I love sports, so I love sports history. So we're going to go to 1916 with a triple steal. It was recorded by the Boston Braves in the 11th inning. It is the only extra inning triple steal in NL history. I don't think I've ever seen a triple steal um, in normal, in regular season history, but definitely the only one in um, extra inning history. Uh, they went on to win the game 3-1, and then in 1941, it did happen in the American League. Not a lot of notes on that one, but I did think it was cool to include because I've never heard or seen of that ever happen. Um, but anyway, to 1978, we got Mookie Wilson being married at home plate. He was on the Jackson Generals, and his wife, Rosa, who had a kid, I believe, with Mookie's brother, but his brother couldn't take care of him or wouldn't take care of him or whatever, so Mookie decided to bring 
you know, the son into his life and marry his mother Rosa in Jackson, Mississippi. 1,200 people attended the ceremony at their stadium, and the players held up an archway of bats that they could walk through, which was pretty cool. Um, pretty interesting. I don't know if I would want to get, like, if I was, uh, you know, I don't know, want to say a woman, but if, if I was not in charge of the marriage and, like, my husband surprised me or my wife surprised me with a marriage at a baseball field, I don't know how I would really feel about that. But anyway, the son that he did take care of, um, Rose's child, eventually played in the MLB uh, and won the 2006 World Series with the Cardinals, and he did make one All-Star game. I'm not really aware who Preston Wilson is, which is what his name is, but an interesting story nonetheless, you know being involved in that marriage at home plate, and then going on to win a World Series. So next we got Tom Seaver retiring. Just to list off uh, some highlights of Tom Seaver's career, he was nicknamed The Franchise, which is an incredible nickname. I didn't even know that. Um, he played 20 seasons, played with the Mets, the Reds, White Sox, and Red Sox, 311 and 205 record with a 286 ERA, which is incredible. Uh 3,640 Ks, which is also incredible. 12-time All-Star, World Series champ in 1969 with the Mets. Also the last time the Jets won the Super Bowl. So that's an incredible year for New York. Um, I don't know if the Jets played in uh, Shea. I don't even know if it was Shea at that point. Um, but inevitably, just a great year for New York that year. He was a three-time Cy Young, NL Rookie of the Year, three-time wins leader, three-time ERA leader, five-time strikeout leader, threw a no-hitter in 78 his number 41 was retired by the Mets. He's in the Mets and Reds Hall of Fame. He was voted into the Hall of Fame, the MLB Hall of Fame in 92 with a 98.84% um, acceptance rate, I, I guess is what it's called. He was then a color commentator after his retirement, but he did go on to pass away in 2020. And I remember, I don't remember what the card game was called, but you could like scan the cards and it was on the, you could like do it on the internet. I remember I had a Tom Seaver card who was absolutely disgusting. Um, but this was the day in 1987 when he did retire. So just celebrating a great life and a great career of Tom Seaver. Next, we're going to go to our birthdays. We got Carl Hubble being born in 1903. He was born in Missouri. His nickname was King Carl, and he was a screwball pitcher. He pitched for the San Francisco Giants. Had a record of 253 and 154 with a 298 ERA. So another incredible his, or historical ERA, uh, historical record for Carl Hubble. He was a nine-time All-Star, World Series champ in 1933, two-time MVP, three-time wins leader, three-time ERA leader in the MLB, um, and now strikeout leader. Through, also threw a no-hitter in 1921. Giants retired his number 11. In 1947, he was voted to the Hall of Fame at 87% on his third ballot, and in 1934, during one of his All-Star games, he struck out Babe Ruth, Jimmy Fox, Lou Gehrig, Al Simmons, and Joe Cronin all in one game. So an incredible All-Star game. I know you got all those crazy stars there, and he sat them all down. Uh, so shout out to Carl Hubble, who's definitely not here with us anymore, but an incredible career. Um, so celebrate him. Next, we got Ian Kinsler being born in 1982. He was born in Arizona. He is an American Israeli, and myself being Jewish, I did find this very interesting. Like, similar, everyone talks about Sandy Koufax, uh, but just great Jewish um, baseball players. 
He played 14 seasons, most notably, or at least the one I remember the most, was with the Rangers. He was a four-time All-Star, 2018 World Series champ, two-time Gold Glover, won a gold medal with the U.S. in the in the, not the Olympics, um, but you know the Baseball World Classic. Uh, he's played with the Israeli team as well in 2021, I believe. It was a tremendous fielder, one of the best fielding second baseman of his time, especially with the Rangers. And he was described as a five-tool player, can hit for power, contact, speed, uh, can field, and can steal bases, I believe. We'll, we'll say those are the five tools, um, but he's got them all. So shout out to Ian Kinsler. Happy birthday. In 1995, we got Tyler O'Neill's being born. He was born in Canada, drafted in 2013. So far, he's a two-time Gold Glover, two-time Fielding Bible Award winner. He is hitting 241 this year with a 653 OPS in 45 games, um, which is a bit of a step back, but he's now in the IL, possibly dealing with some injuries that he can now rectify and get back to his prior form. But happy birthday to Tyler O'Neill, nonetheless. And then our final birthday was in 1997. We got Josh Naylor being born. He was also born in Canada. He was the 12th pick in 2015, debuted with the Padres in 2019, then traded to the Guardians in 2020. He won silver with the 18U Canada team at the World Baseball Classic. He's hitting 277 this year with an 831 OPS, so pretty, pretty great numbers. He's had some crazy hitting games. I remember one game we did, or I covered at least, he had eight RBIs, and he had seven RBIs after the eighth inning. I think he hit a, I think he hit a grand slam to tie it in the ninth, and then hit a walk-off three-run home run in the 11th or 10th, which was crazy. So that's what I remember about Josh Naylor. And he's got 35 RBIs in 43 games that he's played in this year. So happy birthday to all those guys. Um, and, you know, just remembering Tom Seaver, Mookie Wilson and his marriage, a home plate, and the triple steal. But finally, we're going to our Not Your Father's Baseball Player. We're going with Fritz Peterson. And for people who know, if you know, you know, uh, that's exactly what this is about. But we'll get there in a bit. He was born in Chicago, Illinois. He went to college at Northern Illinois University. He's actually from Arlington Heights, which is where my friend was from, from school. So shout out, Bobby, if you're watching this. He is from Arlington Heights. Um, Fritz Peterson signed to the Yankees in 63 as a free agent. He debuted in 66, and in his debut, he threw a pretty great, complete game. He would be an all-star in 1970 with the Yankees. In that season, he was 20-11 and 11 with a 2.90 ERA and a 1.102 whip. He has one of the lowest walk rates per nine. I'm pretty sure it was the lowest since, like, 1920. <laughs> He was traded to Cleveland in 74, then traded again in 76 to the Rangers, where he did finish his career, but most notably known for being on the Yankees. His career numbers finished at 133 and 131 with a 330 ERA, 101 ERA plus, and a 1191 whip. So pretty great numbers. Nothing Hall of Fame worthy, but definitely above average and a pretty, pretty long and great career. And to the if you know, you know part, this is the most notable part of his career probably was when he swapped wives and families with his teammate, Mike Kekich, in 1973. I've seen this all over YouTube. Um, I think it's funny. It's like one of those things like uh, that one pitcher who did LSD when he was pitching. It's like one of those stories that you always see and you're like, that's pretty crazy. Um, but anyway, 
he married Kekic's wife, but Kekic eventually did not marry um, Peterson's old wife. It didn't work out for them. Um, and to this day, Peterson says he still feels like they're on a honeymoon, and it's been a real blessing. And I find that weird. How does the, how does Kekic feel that he like swapped wives with uh, Peterson and Peter's wife? Didn't they didn't work out together? Maybe didn't you know they just weren't meant to be together, but. Now he's been with his wife for how many years is that? Fifty years, and it's it, it didn't work out. It's and it's I just think it's pretty funny that I feel like it should have it should have worked out for both of them. It's a bit unfair in this swap. Um, but just some things from my dad. What he had to say he was a pitcher during the Yankees' bad days, which is you know understandable. Yankees in the '90s were a way 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 better team than the '70s and '80s. Um, not the Yankees we really know today. So that makes sense, Dad. That checks out. His main thing to me, he was an average pitcher, but he did a wife swap. And, I mean, his numbers are – usually I have some – I strike down some of my dad's things. I mean, his ERA is pretty good. His record's all right, which is average. His ERA plus is a 101, so that's like the definition of average. And I think his whip is pretty good. Um, so he, I, I'd give my dad that. He is an average pitcher, and he did do the wife swap. Um, and just to close it out, my dad said – he was an average pitcher on an average team. So, you know, that can make you get lost in, you know, the record books and the history of the MLB. But he does have this wife swap to kind of bring him to the front of everyone's conscience. Um, you know, get him his own YouTube videos, you know, get his own podcast episodes. So, you know, although it was unconventional, shout out Fritz Peterson for really making his mark on the MLB and being a pretty good pitcher um, while he was at it. Um, so, you know, that's all we got for today. This, this episode might be pretty long just because so many young guys, so many people I wanted to include, so many birthdays, um, so many prospects. It was a lot of fun. You know, I love doing this show. It's so much fun, you know, collecting information and watching MLB and doing the scores. Really gives me a great, great, great joy in spending my time watching sports and being active on social media. I love making the memes for you guys. Um, so, you know, that's it. Follow us on BITD Podcast on Instagram. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing the Instagram, as I said. And, yeah, thank you guys for watching. I'll be back next week um, on Wednesday as well, getting back to that normal schedule. So I'll see you guys next week.